Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Welcome to the show. Excited about having you on. Uh, our pre-show uh, was, was a lot of fun. So uh, excited about uh, going through our conversation today. Super excited to be here. Thank you. You know, uh, as we get into the, the idea of taking CO2 and, you know, you know, introducing it, how did you come up with this? I mean, for, first of all, where did you guys uh, come up with this idea and how did all that start? Yeah, so this, uh, the, the stuff we're doing now is the brainchild of uh, Gaurav Sant, who's a professor at UCLA. Uh, today, he runs the uh, Institute for Carbon Management, which is a, a research institute with a whole bunch of things in its uh, in its bailiwick. But this was an idea that that he first had in kind of 2013 timeframe. So, like a lot of things do in in academia, you know, this this started with a, an idea he had, one of his colleagues telling him it couldn't be done, and then you know, starting with sort of thimble size experiments on a lab bench and. Uh, you know, slowly as, as experiments failed, they redirected and then worked sort of scaling up slowly over time and, and in time getting the support from uh, uh, private foundations, the Department of Energy, scaling that up, continuing to push the technology. And, um, you know, I only discovered it in, uh, in 2020 when I was uh, wrapping up a year of, uh, of investing personal capital and Concrete was one of those areas that I, I was excited about. I hadn't found something that uh, checked the boxes I was looking for. And, and he and I met, uh, we hit it off. And so then I was exposed to this journey that he and the team had been on for six or seven years. And uh, needless to say, I'm here now running it. So that tells you, you know, how, how I felt about it, how, you know, how he felt about me and, and about the, the partnership uh, that we formed. You know, a lot of times that's key, right? I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, or even inventors. And they're, the, the hardest part is their great job at creating something, you know, the ideas, the formulation, the study of something, but what they lack is doing what you guys did, right? Finding a partner that can help grow a business, right? There's one thing about creating, you know, a product or, you know, an idea. It's a whole nother thing to grow a company, right? There are two different skill sets. There's a whole different mentality, uh, you know, under the guidelines of, of creating, you know, uh, the scientific part of it's great. But the other parts of, of hiring people and, and budgets and forecasts and, and, you know, sales and all the stuff it takes to grow a company, uh, you know, it, it takes, it's another one, right? So finding a good partner, I think, is, is a pretty big deal. No, it's, it's huge. And I, and I credit uh, Garab with having the, the, the wisdom uh, to, to sort of understand that. He's certainly getting, you know, uh, great advice from some mentors, uh, you know, older professors at UCLA or other people in his orbit on mistakes they've made, uh, things that have worked well for them. And, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of us get good advice and lots of things, right? But sometimes it's hard to fight human nature and take that into, uh, to actually have it change the way we, we act. I mean, I, uh, that happens to me all the time as a, as a parent. And, and, uh, but, but so it's nice to see, um, uh, you know, that was nice to see. And I think the other thing that influenced this is, is that, Unlike a lot of uh, academics, Garab comes from a, a construction family. So his father and grandfather uh, ran construction companies in, um, in India. And so he grew up around um, construction sites, right? So, so he had a fork in the road at some point. It was either head off into the more academic world or you know, become the third generation uh, person running this business. And he obviously he took one fork in that road, but, but it's you know, un having enough understanding of all the aspects of these businesses um, and, and both understanding what pieces that you like and can do well and what pieces you don't uh, is key. And, and, you know, I've, I've tried to partner with technical co-founders, uh, founders over the years uh, that are both, you know, really good in their area, sufficiently broad in other areas, but also willing to accept that they're not great at everything. And uh, so, 
found that in, in Garov and, and uh, uh, it's obviously early in our journey, but, uh, but so far so good on that front. It, it takes a lot, you know, um, I've looked back over my career and, uh, you know, CDO group I've had for 25 years and there was a fork in a road when I made some changes, right? First, a lot of those were about me, right? First was personal growth. And one of the biggest parts of it, not just, you know, the stuff you do to be healthier, the stuff you do to be in better shape physically, but the stuff you do better shape to be uh, mentally, right? I mean, bringing in some coaches to support my growth it took a lot, right? It took a lot to, to get humble enough to know that because a lot of what, what, you know, as a, as a creator of a company, a lot of what I had was built on my back, right? And my fear of losing it every day is what drove me, right? There was a lot of that drive that woke me up every single day and drove me and how to let go of that. And, you know, the, the these uh, business coaches would come in and they'd sit down with me and go, look, you need to, uh, you've hired these amazing people and, you know, they, I tell a story all the time about the coach. She, she walks in my office and she locks my door. I'm like, well, why are you locking my door? And she goes, I, I need I need to lock, keep your door locked and I need you to stay on this side of it. I'm locking you in, not locking them out. You know, and I'm like, okay. She got, I'm like, why? She goes, look, you're, you're, you're great. You, you're, you've built this amazing company. You've hired these amazing people. Now let them do what they do. And that was such a gift to me, right? There was, it was hard. It was, when I say gift, I mean gift in that having the gumption or the ability to sit there and bite my tongue. And on the days when I, I, I wanted to run out and save the world and fix all the problems they had. Great. Cause like, like, like a parent, right? Like we do it as, as parents every, every day. I want to, I want my kids not to, not to feel any pain, um, but letting them become their own uh, and then kind of grow into their own skin and figure out some of the bumps and, you know, figure out their own stuff, right? Just figure it out a little bit. It's very similar. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I uh, going through that with the, with the kids, I feel like that's an ultimate uh, gift to give them is, is that gift of, all right, now we're going to get to a point where, you, you know, ultimately my job is to keep you from dying, right? I got you. I'm getting you through the heavy load of that. Now you're going to go through learning about that. You know, I, with five kids, I assume that one of them would want to come to the company and start running the company that I, I created. Like, I created this company. Now you, my kids yeah. will come. I'll honor you. And, and they've kind of taken their own path. Maybe one yeah. of them might, but uh, they've gone on their own path and I got to honor that as well. Right. That's, that's a tough one. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I'm not in that situation, but I, but I, I'm not too far removed from it. I mean, I think you speak about mentors and that, that drive the, I mean, certainly a lot of what's influenced my DNA is uh, growing up with parents who were immigrants uh, from India as well and watching them jump out of the, the, uh, their first roles as, you know, as uh, uh, engineers in larger companies or, or sort of doing the predictable things and jump into entrepreneurship uh, in fields that weren't very traditional for them. For example, in their case, they, were, they started a, a financial planning business that's been really successful and, uh, you know, have, have run it into their mid-70s. Um, so, so uh, reflecting on that journey from, uh, um, you know, from watching them do that at, a, at an age where, you know, the success was not uh, guaranteed by any means, right, um, uh, has been um, a, a key piece. And then, and, you know, just the, 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 the piece you said about uh, uh, letting people go and letting them run, you know, there's also, uh, obviously, for kids, there's one, I think, uh, this is one I found in in uh, this venture for me. I think I mentioned earlier, I'm not a construction person or building materials person. I commit this from the lens of uh, um, uh, running small companies with with new technology, putting teams together, and and trying to you know trying to work at at a pace and do things that is hard to do in bigger companies. Um, but most of that has been on the energy side, right, or healthcare side. Um, so, so in this case, I mean, one of the, one of the great things we've been able to do is, is hire some people in who are, um, both amazing in their fields, but also just great people. And, and, you know, the, I will say the, the freedom, the mental freedom that comes from, uh, from having that has been, has been a game changer for me relative to my last couple of startups where, uh, I might've been the only business person surrounded by a bunch of tech, technical people. And there's a lot of. You know, there's plenty, there's there's plenty of gray hairs and scars that have come from that. So trying trying to not make the same mistakes twice, right? Uh, just just no, make new ones. 
Yeah, it's it's great. You, you go through, you learn every every time you do when you you go through this learning, and you know you finding and, and also it's as much as learning. It's also some luck, right? Finding the right partners that kind of come in, uh, the right people that kind of make that gel happen. I've grown lots of companies, and it, it's not always even it, even when you try to go out and find the perfect person for the position. I, you know, I, I hold myself accountable for finding great people. Uh, a lot of times, it's finding people that aren't there yet and help growing them right i finding uh, I, I think i spend as much time growing the people that i that uh, come on because uh, i've learned one thing it's more about growing the people in the company that make the company right no matter where i go to find people rarely do i find someone that's fully matured and developed enough to run what i need them to do a lot of times it's about finding people that are close and have the right behaviors and then we start to grow them right we start to really look on uh one of the biggest things that i find is if i grow the people that are here in the companies that i own the companies grow right it's, it's as much about uh their personal development the stuff that we do with them and helping them you know transition through it and i watch as they transition the companies kind of go with it you know, giving uh, having good you know guidelines and systems in place, which I think that's that's where your your expertise is really having that uh, that 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 uh, piece that guides them. Now, how do you got, how do you work with each individual so as they grow? You know, we, we've got uh, one of the guys here at, the, at CDO Group who was uh, one of our VPs. That I remember when he started here, just his own personal development changed. Right, going from a construction guy to being a construction leader to being a team leader to being a group leader, right? To now be a VP of the company, and then watching, you know, not just his knowledge of the business, but watching his health increase. His family life increase, right? He, he now he used to be a smoker, and I used to I used to laugh. I'm like, today he's a marathon runner, high energy output, right? But as his being changed, I thought that that to me that feels like as important. And by the way, I had to go through the same thing, right? As I look at me and the, the way that I live, am I the example of that as a leader uh, that, that that you know encourages them to do the same thing? So as I do work on me, they do work on them. The company kind of grows and it kind of trickles through the whole organization and watching all that develop. I feel like that's a big part of uh, developing an organization. No, it's a, it's a great point. I mean, I think, uh, to be frank, one of the tensions is one of the differences you have in a, in a even a medium-sized company, right, that's been around for 10 years versus a startup that's got five or 10 people, right, is there's a tension there. Let's be honest. It's, it's uh, you know, we struggle with... Um, you know, uh, we're at the stage where in some ways you're tempted to just only bring in people that can come and hit the ground running and you don't have to, you, you don't have to focus on development because we have no, there's no spare capacity for that, right? I mean, we all envision that getting to a point where even if once you've got 20, 30 people, you could start doing some of that. But um, yeah, it's attention. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, uh, we, we, and I think any startup is in this situation where, um the, because if, you know, if you miss, if you're GE, right, where I started my career, you got plenty of opportunity and cycles with people to get them there. And it's not, the business is not going away, et cetera, right? We don't have that luxury, right? If we don't, we don't, do, the, we don't do the things we have slated for this year, we don't, we don't get that next round of funding. And then, you know, we're all looking for something else to do. So, um, so that's attention, but that's one of the, that's one of the things that makes, uh, makes it interesting. So ultimately that's what you get paid for, right? At the end, uh, that's what you get paid for in developing companies is taking that young restless group and, uh, you know, guiding them through the toughest times, which is that, that uh, making expectation, you know, people that don't know how to work together. It takes a while for people to work together, right? That, uh, you know, and, and not blame each other and not looking for uh, why it's not working. It's gotta be someone else's fault. Right as we work together and grow, I mean, I've got well-developed companies that still do that every day, and uh, I look at myself and go, "All right, all right, we're gonna. This is another learning opportunity." So, all right, let's get into. I want to get into carbon built, and uh, so this whole technology to me is neat. You know that. Uh, so, so let's break it down a little bit for the audience so they get to understand what we're doing. Is you're you're capturing CO2 emissions from plants and taking them and embedding them into materials and kind of storing that instead of polluting the world with it. Is that kind of the yeah, best way to Yeah, at a, at a high level. I mean, so let's let's take a step back and say, why would we even do this, right? So uh, concrete is a magic material. It's, and and it's, it's hard to imagine what society would be like without it, 
right? You can't, you can't, you can't even fathom, really. Um, and but but part of what drives that magic, I mean, the 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 magic behind that is all uh, the chemistry around uh, cement and and Portland cement in particular, which has become, you know, wasn't always like this, but this, that's the uh, that has evolved to become the uh, the most effective, most efficient uh, binder system in in concrete, and it's great. Um, uh, with with one big exception, I mean, we could talk about cost, but but really, the the, the big issue is that it's in, incredibly carbon intensive, right? And uh, it's it it's fine that that may be, may have been fine decades ago and centuries ago, but we're obviously living in a world where where uh, that's uh, uh, causing real damage, and uh, we've got to find uh, a solution. And um, so. Uh, so that's the, the the motivation here, and I think um, you know that's while that's been recognized for a while, um, the challenge in uh, concrete is uh, substitutes for uh, uh, Portland cement in concrete have have either been very marginal in nature, right? We're making one percent difference, two percent difference, um, which isn't really enough. Uh, the cement and concrete make up about 8% of global CO2 emissions today. And that's going up as, as we get better at, you know, cars and electricity and efficiency. Um, uh, the, the things that are left are taking up a bigger and bigger share. And, you know, uh, we look at what, what's happened in China the last 20 years, what's gonna happen in India the next 20 years and then Africa after that, right? People are gonna keep moving to cities. Buildings are gonna keep getting built. And um, uh, that's either going to happen in a way that's sustainable or not. And uh, concrete is going to be fundamental to, to those structures all getting built. So the, the, the challenge with these, these sustainable concretes has been either they're marginal or they, uh, they don't perform, which obviously that's, a, that's table stakes, so that doesn't work, or they're expensive. And so there's lots of ways of making sustainable concrete where you double the price or triple the price. And that this is a commodity, right? So, um, in the end, that's not helpful. And so, what I what what uh, what struck me um, uh, when I dug in on what uh, Gaurav and his team at UCLA had was the first uh, technology that I that had a, a very clean path and was already sufficiently mature to deliver big sustainability improvements um, through both removing Portland cement and replacing it with lower carbon materials and through curing with the carbon dioxide. So we'll get back to that. So that's the, that's the sustainability piece, but then doing it in a way that, that uh, actually reduced costs, right? So you, didn't, you weren't forced to have a price premium. Uh, obviously performance, I won't even talk about because that's, if you, if you can't perform like concrete, it's, doesn't, it's not even worth having the conversation. Um, so uh, on the on the to dig into that a bit, the uh, what we do, as I said, is we replace Portland cement, either most of it or all of it, with other materials that uh, together have a lower carbon footprint in their production. Okay, so this is some combination of of uh, uh, could be some other virgin materials. Some of them are also carbon intensive, but we're just using less of it, combined with more waste materials, re residues that would otherwise be going to the landfill. Um, so in total, like I said, that, that material set has a lower, in order to bring those materials to the concrete plant, there was way less carbon involved and emitted than with conventional concrete, okay? Then th those materials, you know, if you just cured them, the normal way concrete is cured, one, they wouldn't work, so so we, get, we wouldn't even have this conversation. You have, in order for them to work and deliver the the strength that we need out of concrete and all the other properties, they have to be cured, and they are not cured with hydration the way Portland cement is. They are cured with CO two. So the CO two reacts with the the compounds in those materials to form uh, calcium carbonate carbonates, and that's what delivers on the on the strength requirements. In doing that, we, we get uptake of CO2 into the product, right? The CO2 is absorbed, it's, it's mineralized. So it's not, it's not, we're not storing it. Like there's not little bubbles of CO2 encapsulated. It's 
transformed into uh, and mineralized in, into carbonates and therefore locked up, right? Um, so it's both of these things. And, and uh, um, together, those deliver uh, 70, 80, 90, you know, could be 100, 100% plus reductions in the carbon footprint. It all depends on what, what exact materials are available in, for that producer. And, um, uh, it, you know, determines what, where that uh, number ends up sitting. You know, you know, it, th this to me is the, uh, you, you know, you're a cement fa manufacturer, right? You you make the product. Uh, for sure, there is a need. You know, there's all these other things that are coming at you. Right? If you I, I, every day I interview more and more ideas and more brands, and everybody says the same thing. Co you know, uh, concrete's great, but it's polluting the world. Yeah. Right? And they're, and they're all racing to say, it's great, but. And the problem is that it's a low-cost provider, and people are like, look, it's a very low-cost uh, product to, to to do but at some point the cost on the world is going to weigh it and as as concrete manufacturers can take the byproduct of the manufacturing and lower that and find some ways to you know to to lower the impact on the environment and still manufacture the low-cost product it'll I, I believe it'll, it'll it'll say the front runner right you're you're exactly right in that you know, it's, it's the only way it's the only way actually to make this happen I, and I think to me it's the the lessons I've taken from other commodities, whether it's electricity or fuels or chemicals, all apply. It's the same dynamics here, right? Unless we can make uh, concrete uh, more economically viable for for the key people in the value chain, and 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 uh, and then at least no worse for everyone else in the value chain, right? You're always going to be in this push-pull between, you know, what's like, does my customer care? Are they willing to pay more? Is there a tax credit? That that is no recipe for the pace of change that is required here, right? And so, the model for us has been, um, and the re again reason I was enthusiastic about this was having a path to to have producers. So we're we're in the business of just to just to just one point you said of providing a retrofit solution for concrete producers, right? Starting with the block producers and we'll, we'll grow from there into other precast and then other pieces of the market. But we're starting with, with block producers, call it roughly 10% of the overall market, which is, you know, in, in a $10 million market, you don't care about the 10% one, but in a trillion dollar market, 10% is pretty, pretty nice uh, as a place to start. So, and it's worldwide. I mean, literally yeah. these plants are around the world. So, uh, totally. And they're making them the same way. It's basically the same, right? So the, 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 uh, with the, the service we provide is we're going to give you a piece of kit. We're going to co-invest with you in that kit to retrofit what you do. We're going to give you the recipe to order new materials than you were otherwise going to do. We're going to set you up with all those suppliers. Um, we're going to co-invest with you and all that, make it happen. And then we will share in the margin expansion that results. And the margin expansion is a combination of cost reduction and carbon revenue that we get by, because, because third parties, people who aren't taking title, you know, they're not buying the block, they're not using the block, they're interested in paying for uh, high quality, permanent storage, verified carbon removal. And, and even, you know, this, the reduction we're making in cement usage is monetizable, right? And that's all new. This is, I've been on this kind of journey for 20 years. This is the first time in the last year and a half where, where people are stepping up and actually paying, volunteering, right? Not because the government's telling them they have to, there's not a carbon tax or anything. Companies are volunteering and their drive to go net zero, go carbon negative, to wipe out all their historical emissions. They are paying cash. They're pre-purchasing, um, uh, for technologies that are still being developed. And this is, it's amazing. And that, that, what that allows us to do is sort of funnel some of this energy and, and frankly dollars from these companies, right? They're the tech behemoths um, uh, into concrete producers who are uniquely positioned to, to, uh, to demonstrate permanent storage and verified removal. So it's a whole new stream, right? Who would have thought if you're, if you've been in the concrete production business for decades or century, you know, some of these companies we're partnering with have, have right. been five generations, right, of their family have been it. And uh, 
you know, the issue you were talking about earlier, right? Kids don't want to go into business in part because of this issue, right? It's a low margin business and it's front and center in terms of polluting. Well, what if we flip that around and make it a medium or high margin business and the product is carbon neutral, right? You have, maybe you have a different feeling when you get up in the morning and your kids get up in the morning and feel, you know, about taking this business over. So, um, so that's the idea. And our view is we can, if we can get producers to just, just because they're capitalists, switch over and start doing this, you know, that's the engine that's going to make this scale quickly. It's, it's by far the easiest thing to see. If you're a manufacturer and you're going, look, I can now be in business and all the people, you know, it's kind of like the oil producers, right? The, the guys that are out there doing oil and electrics coming out here and they just haven't changed. They keep saying, well, I, I, if I keep doing this way, it, the electric, you know, uh, vehicles that are coming at it are making so much more sense because oil, oil has never changed. It's never evolved. It keeps yeah. staying where it's at. And the, and, and the world's going, hey, look, I know it's more expensive for electricity today, but as that gets, you know, uh, they've implemented it, and now that those prices are coming down, you know, the oil producers have got to be looking at it going, Ugh. now look, the same thing's going to happen with, with the concrete producers. If they're not looking at the world and going, look, today we are the low-cost provider. We've got this amazing material that the world wants to use. It's easy to expand on. But as the other ideas that are coming, if the, uh, you know, the plants aren't evolving and starting to become less impactful on the world, you know, that same thing's going to happen to them, right? That same, they're going to become the dinosaurs, no matter where they're at, even if they're a low cost provider, the other ideas will start to grow so fast and start to look at, you know, the material sciences of it. You're now looking at it going, all right, look, we're going to continue doing where you're at it's an easy product to start to implement and these aren't these aren't impacts to them i mean to these these plants the incremental cost of impact to adding on your kit you know is is got to be marginal at, at best nobody yeah. best. yeah the way i would look at it is a a um a typical block plant for example right is the total capex of you you know for one of these if you if you look at the the investment that's gone in 10 to 15 million dollars and what we're talking about is is about a 10% increase on that so it's not zero and it's not you know we're not this isn't software right i'm a firm believer that um you know co2 is created because of infrastructure you can't solve all these problems without infrastructure change so there's there's capex the trick in all this is finding the places where that capex is is less and uh, we can get started and, and moving, right? And so one of the, so the, um, so, so there's CapEx, but it's not, you know, we're not doubling or adding 50% to the cost of the plan. It's a million to $2 million to, to make these retrofits. Uh, we help with that, right? We're living in a time, you talked about, talked about luck earlier. A key piece of luck, I think, in this space is timing. And I've lived, you know, since I've been doing this kind of work for 20 years, I've, I've half of that has been spent more than half in, in the days where no one cared, right? There was no money for this this stuff. Uh, everyone was uh, uh, had fresh wounds from the last clean tech boom and bust cycle, and and no one was investing in, in anything. And and uh, you know, just like I mean, certainly in the construction market, right? You live and breathe this. There's cycles, and today, thankfully, we're we're in that time where awareness is high. Um, uh, there's a lot of capital ready to invest in good ideas, uh, whether it's funding people or CapEx, whether it's debt or equity. And so um, capital is not the biggest challenge. It's that you have good ideas that can, that can realistically drive scale on uh, carbon impact. And, um, you know, so, so now we want the producers to have skin in the game, right? So we're, you know, while you could conceive of models where, hey, we take all the risk and put all this, and maybe we'll do that at some point. But part of our uh, thinking right now is, um, is that we want the, the key parties to have skin in the game and, and to be able to um, be very aligned incentive-wise. And so, you know, this is the model we're taking for getting the first few plants up and running. I think once you have those first few plants up and running, um, uh, debt finance is going to bring a huge uh, 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 lever that, that we have to, to increase uh, growth here, but obviously, you know, a little harder with your first plant. So, um, we announced since the time we set this discussion up and, and we're having it, we announced yesterday our, that we'll be uh, uh, putting up our first retrofit uh, in uh, about an hour outside of uh, Birmingham in Alabama with a producer that 
uh, we've been working with on the development side for a number of years. So we've, we've gotten to know, uh, know him quite well. And uh, he's had the benefit of seeing the technology in his plant, of seeing the, the blocks we produced in our pilot demonstrations sitting in his, you know, outside his office door. And so he has a, he has a level, um, you know, he understands uh, how it works, why it works, and, and uh, you know, all the questions one might have as a skeptic, uh, you know, he's erased because he's seen the, seen the product. And so um, we're crank, you know, we've, we've uh, con we're starting work on that. We've started it already actually, and uh, aiming to get that, uh, have, having block flowing um, off of his line in Q, Q1 of uh, next year, so. Uh, congratulations first of all that's that's a that's a great feat getting that uh, uh you know break, crossing that hurdle and uh you know so as you start to work with are, now are you first starting with just the co2 uh, uh finish the co2 curing process is that where you're starting with them uh well the two go hand in hand so they yep the you can't separate the the co2 curing from the change in materials there are, you need both of those to happen in order to get the product to function uh, like concrete. So, so we'll, we're doing both. We're, we're changing his material set um, and, uh, and implementing the CO2 curing. Uh, the, the, the CO2 in this case, and this is one of the puzzles we needed to solve, um, is you know, where's the CO2 coming from? Is, uh, in this case, we'll be coming from uh, forestry residues, so uh, a waste biomass, which we will be uh, uh, combusting on site. So we're putting in a boiler. Uh, this is all, you know, old technology um, uh, off the shelf. And, you know, most people get these boilers to, to get hot water or hot air in cold climates, right? Think Scandinavia or Canada. Um, we're actually doing it to get um, sort of renewable CO2 processed on site. One of the benefits of doing that is we can, you know, this plant tip, traditionally uses natural gas for um, for steam generation and and uh, in doing that for other purposes on site, we we can shut off the use of natural gas. Uh, this is the, the the this is Alabama, so forestry residues are a plenty, and so it's an it's an inexpensive renewable way of getting CO two. But you know we are one of the hallmarks of our technology is that um, we have we have very flexible on CO two options. So one of the things other than materials that has driven up the price or cost of, of competing technologies that also deliver high, high CO2 impact is they need pressure, they need very clean pressurized CO2 delivered at elevated temperatures. And every one of those is a, you know, that's just cost, cost, cost. So the more you can use uh, really waste streams, uh, the, the, the less expensive that is, and we need it to be less expensive so, so we can match with this commodity uh, benchmark we've got. And uh, so, you know, the history of our technology is, was, was uh, doing this with the view of locating concrete production near power plants, right? Uh, coal plants, natural gas plants. So that's where a lot of our test work was done. You know, the dilemma when you scale up is, you know, one, those plants are, coal plants are going away. There, there are fewer of them uh, and they're far away from where concrete is used. Um, and we, you know, we don't solve their CO2 problems. You, you make so much CO2 there. You're not going to turn all that CO2 into concrete. And then you have a mountain of concrete that's far away from where it's needed. So, so we really flipped that after I came on board um, to say, okay, we've got to solve for this at the concrete plants. And we've got to figure out a way to get CO2 to them inexpensively. And so there's really only three options. If, if you have flue gas nearby, because you're located in an industrial area, and you've got a manufacturing plant next door, great. Like we, we could use that. That's always gonna be the cheapest option. Um, if, you, if, you, if you make bricks, for example, if you got a brick kiln nearby, that's gonna put out enough CO2 usually. So, so there's options there if you have that kind of emitter. That's not a lot of the marketplace, right? So in most cases, biomass is gonna be our solution today. Um, um, but then the, you know, the other one that's emerging, and we're certainly not there yet, but you know, I think if you look back over the last quarter, you see an intense amount of, of investment going into direct air capture technology, right? These are solutions that can pull CO2 out of the air where it's in at, you know, 400 plus ppm, but very low levels and, uh, and turn it into more, you know, more concentrated streams. This is a really hard 
technical and economic problems. So don't get me wrong, I don't think anyone's figured this out yet, but as that technology matures, um, we'll be able to make use of it because we're turning it into something that generates cash as opposed to just trying to store it underground, which is a, which is a cost, right? We'll be able to make use of it uh, as it comes down the cost curve. And so that's certainly where our vision is in the long term: is that you have modular direct air capture units that are providing the CO2, and then we're turning that into the to concrete. But until that, you know, until those companies and technologies are ready, uh, biomass makes a great solution for places where we don't have an industrial emitter nearby. It, you know that uh, those are all like little experiments you go through, right? You, you look at where you put the plants, the type of plants, the the, the bio. You know, doing this bio. Uh, say it again. Bio. Well, it's 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 bio biomass uh, based CO two. So I mean, think of it. The real simple way to think about it is, uh, you know, you have forestry operations that are happening already. There's lots of waste from those operations. Uh, that is uh, much of it is is chipped today and, and either disposed of, right? Um, or uh, uh, turned into products and we can tap into that stream. And so, you know, you can think of it as that is, that is material that will uh, in a number of years will degrade and decompose and release CO2. We're accelerating that, that decomposition by burning it. But but instead of letting it out in the atmosphere, we're capturing it and putting it into the concrete. Got it. So you're taking it, you're burning it. Now, the stuff that you're burning, the outcome, the output of the, the heat that's generated from there, are you using yeah, so the Exactly. So we're getting heat or hot water, which we can use in the plant for and substitute things that they were otherwise burning natural gas to get. Plus, we get the CO2, you know, and which we're which we're using for our process. Normally, you know, these guys wouldn't care about CO2. Uh, that's the that's the the waste from the the machines that you know we're using. But in our case, we we want the CO two, right? That's we're using it. It's fundamental to our process. Are you taking? Any, have you guys uh, started using any of the ash from the burn of the of the of the wood? Uh, we we will be doing that. It's it's a uh, it's a pretty small part of what we need overall. So it doesn't meaningfully change the the overall materials balance. But we will certainly use that. Yeah, we're trying to be as uh, uh, yeah, we, we won't, we won't be sending that to, uh, disposal. So uh, using, you know, using fly ash and broadening the type of fly ash we can use. I think, you know, most, many of your, your, uh, audience will be familiar that the introduction of, you know, the, the concrete industry has had very few innovations in the last few decades, right? You could really, there's two things that have, I would say, uh, so might you know, quibble with me on this, but I think there's two things that have changed big time if you look at the material set in, in concrete, right? One is fly ash and the, the, the introduction of more waste materials into, into concrete. And the other is admixtures, right? The, the chemistry. Um, on the fly ash side, they've been, while, while it has certainly transformed the, uh, that industry, like what happens to fly ash produced out of uh, uh, coal plants, uh, you know, it's still a very small fraction of what's in concrete, right? Uh, um, it's it's uh, it's again on the on the margins of uh, cement reduction and, and carbon impact, and there's a lot of flash that that um, cannot be used in concrete. So it's sort of off spec, doesn't meet the specs for for inclusion, um, and that's been stored in lamp. You know, there's huge landfills. You got you got billions of tons of this stuff sitting around, and sometimes you get these. You know, uh, you get uh, leaks, you get, the, I mean, you don't have to Google too far to see some of the bad things that have happened because all this stuff's sitting around, right? What if you could, you know, you had a process that was was more unimetable, I had a wider scope for, for taking in off-spec flash, and we could start using some of this stuff. And so that's part of what, what our process can do is, is uh, make better use of off-spec flash. And so it's not the main, um, selling point. I mean, I think fundamentally we're driven by climate and carbon. But if 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 along the way we can we can help uh, with waste reduction, that's that's certainly a good thing. You know, as you go through this, it's such a big conversation, right? This this is not a small idea. This is really changing the world, right? This is the kind of stuff that 
uh, as we master this and really you know find ways to take waste products from one area and implement them into other products and and the byproducts of it actually make a better product and, and, a, and, a, and a less uh, you know it, it changes the carbon footprint of the world uh, you know there it, it takes a, it's there's a lot there and you're in the middle of a startup company on your day-to-day -day basis you know how do you go through and figure out where the priorities are what, what's the what's the north star that kind of guides everybody to what they're doing today and every day as, as they go through it it's a great great question i mean so we um, and i think part of this builds on you know some of my lessons and 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 uh from from past uh ventures and and uh you know there's a tension in trying to think about process uh, to you know how much process at what points in a company's evolution. But uh, one thing we did uh, deliberately here, um, as soon as we had um, our uh, leadership team uh, assembled kind of in Q4 of last year, middle of Q4, was spend some time thinking about vision and mission. And you know these things can be, these exercises can be uh, trite and uh, everyone's seen them a million times, but um, that has certainly served us well to, to have everyone focused on uh, the same thing. And, and for us, um, the, the mission is all about enabling the concrete industry to, to deliver large scale uh, carbon removal, right? And there's a, it, it, it's, it's, and it, I think we add on to that sort of through the utilization of CO2 and other industrial waste, but it's really about that first piece, right? Enabling the concrete industry to do something uh, meaningful, uh, and this for us, uh, we'll talk about what that means uh, magnitude-wise. But you know, there's a lot embedded in there, right? To enable them to do that, it has to be profitable, right? To, to to be able to make that happen at scale. So so that's kind of the north star. But then it boils down to to what, what are our objectives for this year? And so building off of that, I mean, we had a very deliberate exercise in uh, in spelling out uh, everything we wanted to as a team get done this year. And we talk about that list every single week, right? Every 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 time our leadership team is together, every time our team gets together, um, we are we are looking at that list and saying, what have we done? You know, what's left to be done for the ones that are up for this month or this quarter? And uh, you know, I mean, frankly, at this stage of it, it, it as it's it's very clear, one of those goals has way more importance than the rest of them, and that is getting this first plant up and running, right? We can we can build all the internal processes we want. We can do all the other things that are, but that one is the is the one that makes or breaks us as a as a company, and so it becomes a foundation. Uh, but you know we we can't just do that because we're trying to build a company and and uh, uh, grow our portfolio. We've got things we're we're working on on the on the development side. We've got a pipeline to build. We've got contracts to get executed on the carbon removal side. So all these other things need to happen as well. But uh, I think everyone you know can connect. Uh, vision, which is this, which our vision is all about a world where, um, uh, you know, civilization can continue, standards of living can continue growing. We can, we can help people improve their standards of living in, in, uh, in India and Africa. Obviously, that's very personal to me. It's personal to, to Garo, who also comes from India, but so we can do that without compromising on the on the planet right that's and, and uh um, so that's vision right we're, we're a small piece of that mission is all around what we're doing um in terms of enabling the concrete industry to make a dent and and a meaningful dent right we're not going to do it all so we, we cannot concrete is not going to solve climate change we got to we have to we have to get 40 gigatons of annual emissions out um uh, there's lots of things that uh, that are already commercial today you know the electric vehicle solar panel wind turbine you know, efficiency, all these things that we need to scale, but we need to do more than that. And concrete is positioned, you know, concrete, if done, you know, if, if the te technologies we've got and others got can, can scale quickly, can be a meaningful contributor to that. You know, we're talking one, two, three, four gigatons. So uh, that's the idea. Well, I mean, there's a lot you said in that, and I, I, I tear it apart, but one of the ones that we're like to start with is, you know, as all those other ideas come in, electric cars, you know, all, all the stuff that we're doing in sustainability for all the other products that are out there, wind, solar, all that great stuff, it kind of makes, you know, the, the concrete production uh, emissions start to pop out a little bit more, right? That percentage of the world's uh, impact 
gets a little bit louder, right? I mean, it, so it, it really does behoove the manufacturing uh, 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 groups to start looking at that today before that becomes a real eye opener. So that, you know, people really start to stare at them, uh, you know, as the the, the emissions that's impacting the world the most and, and you know you travel the world i love india right i i to me it's it's a sensory a cultural everything about it just uh, uh radius so I, as they're growing the speed by which they're growing at uh is it's it's amazing and you know they're they're gonna want you know the you can see, especially as time, as our lives, our life expectancy changes, right? You can really see how this, our population on this planet is going to start to double, uh, you know, over the over the next uh, couple of life cycles, and, and that, you know, where did and that impacts the world even more, right? The amount of production we have to do to to support uh, a doubling of a population. Uh, you know, so it, it behooves the manufacturers today to really look at the product they're making and going, all right, look, if I, even if it's just 1%, uh, and, and, and the communities that support it, you know, companies like you that help support the change of those plants, right, understand that if I help them change, uh, they'll impact it. And also the communities that benefit from it, hey, look, if I can give tax incentives or if I can find ways to help them to find those resources to lower the impact, uh, you know, it, it's got to make sense all, uh, holistically, right? The, the, the whole group benefits from each one of us taking another step forward in the impact that we have on our environment. Uh, absolutely. I think the, the, the real uh, uh, testament to me was uh, when I um, attended the National Concrete Masonry Association's mid-year meeting last year, I think it was in July, right? Uh, uh, Sustainability was was barely touched on. I think you know one one session somewhere technical session. Um, this year's annual meeting, 180 degrees, right? It was it was front and center at every uh, in every session, and so um, that's a, you know to me that's the <laughs> that tells the story more as much as anything else. Yeah, it's, it's fun. You know, uh, I, I listen to you as you grow your company, and, and like it just. I, I, my spine has a little bit of a tingle, right? <laughs> Knowing, you know, the days when you sit down and you're creating mission and company values, and sometimes it just you're like, I, I just got to make sure you make payroll next week, right? You're making sure that, you know, if if that if we don't get that plant open, uh, all this goes to the hell. But at the same time, if you don't do those things as we grow companies, right? If, if we don't look at those things, uh, you know, in, in a moment's. Uh, uh, those quiet moments when you're re we're really doing the, the the real heavy lifting, you don't really notice it, but that's where the value of those conversations come in, right? You get, you've got to, you know, a uh, deliver on this week's needs, and b really continue to look long term. And, it, and it's, that's the hard one for people to understand is as you're doing it, people you know are like, well, why are you guys stopping and having a leadership meeting and sitting and talking about your rocks or your the things you got to grow or the are all this stuff, but those are the practices that ultimately make a long-term company uh, viable, right? So where in the beginning, we understand our values, our core our core ways of operating together, uh, you know, knowing that without operating this way, we'll get taken out somewhere. If we, if we don't behave this way as a company, if we don't create the value in the, in the relationships that we have this way, somewhere along the way, one one of those uh, misbehaviors are, are going to take us out, right? Those are those stuff that uh, ultimately take impact companies that end up in papers with, you know, doing stuff that are unethical or ideas that you know don't uh, serve the people they work with or the behaviors they have as as a uh, as a, an employer. You're like, look, you can't. You, you have got to you know do these. Uh, we have to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Yeah. Like literally, no, there's I'm, certainly that piece of it. I think there's the other. The other there's the I wouldn't say the other side, right? There's the there's the opportunity side of that. Kind of you spoke to the risk, which is we we need you know the whole the whole idea with a startup is that you're you're freeing people of the shackles of bureaucracy. You're getting a small group of people together to accomplish things that most people would look around and say this is impossible. Like you can't get that done, right? And that takes a um, you know that takes a level of sort of teamwork and sense of mission and purpose that that is critical and you know uh, we'll have times throughout the year where it's happening right now where our engineering team is is uh, you know we have uh we have we have certain deadlines we're trying to hit supply chains are have been extended 
And so the pressure is on to sort of get stuff ordered way sooner than you know we might have had to order it a year ago or two years ago, and that's just increased the intensity. And and uh, you know it's uh, they're pulling together in in ways that make me really proud to, um, in order to make that happen because we need we need them to. And uh, so yeah, and there's going to be that's going to there's going to be more of that, right? <laughs> we'll sort of give them a break when that's done, and then there'll be the next one. So it's uh, that's just part and parcel of of uh, small groups of people doing things that uh, uh, are uh, seemingly uh, impossible, you know, or at least impossible in pace. Um, so I honor, you. I, it. I honor you. I feel what I, I can feel that, right? Like I can literally feel what you do every day, you know, keeping everybody going in that same direction when the world <laughs> tries us every single day. I honor you for the journey that you're on. The work you guys are doing is great. You know, you know, it's 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 impacting the world. It's a way bigger conversation than people, a lot of people, you know, are willing to have. And uh, the work you do is is wonderful. Uh, keep it up. Those, the, you know, the big idea is uh, what what you know. It's inspiring, right? Uh, if, uh, if you're a young guy and you're out there, or a young woman out there, and and you've got these ideas, look, this is where it happens, right? Being brave and bold and going out there, Raul, you're a great example of being bold and uh, being brave and, and and taking the group and help, helping everybody, you know, see that and and uh, moving them forward because I know what it takes. I like I've been there, and on the days when your team thinks they can do it on the days when they don't think they can do it and the world's trying you every day keeping them uh, uh you know focused and that's great so thank you very much for being on the show um as you as you continue to develop i would love to do more and more uh you know show off more about what's going on over there i want to honor the work that you and your team are doing i'd love to highlight uh, the work that they're up to uh so anywhere any anytime you want to come back on the show anytime you want to highlight something that you're doing uh, I'd like to honor your group in doing that, and I'm I'm grateful for having you on. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity, and we'll look forward to, you know, uh, maybe showing off uh, what we've got in Alabama once that's up and running. And obviously, if you've got uh, listeners who are interested in in uh, this product, uh, happy to reach out and chat. All right. So, if you want to get a hold of you, uh, what's the best place for them to catch up with you? Um, so if you go to our website, there's a there's a uh, email address to register interest, and it's a small team, so that that very quickly gets to the right people. Whether it's uh, you know whether it's me or our uh, head of business development or our head of product, so uh, that's probably the easiest thing to do. All right, great, Eric. That's, uh, yeah, that's www.carbonbuilt.com. Uh, Eric and our team will put that down in the links down down below. And Raul, again, I honor you and the, and the path you're doing. Uh, I look forward to a lot more conversations. Uh, you're a great guest to have on. Uh, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montegi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.